So this is one of the things that we talk about, like when when you're winning games and then all of a sudden things start changing where you have to kind of look at replacing some of your staff. And that happens. And we anticipate other stuff like this happening this year as well that they will start uh, moving – certain guys will start moving off the team. We know about Michael Hodges. We know about we just – Joel Thomas is with the Giants now. We, we're hearing all the rest of this stuff. We got to replace Cody Burns. We also have to look at doing this other stuff, and we possibly looking at the QB situation as well. The QBs uh, – Coach Will, our QB uh, passing game coordinator, and uh, QB coach remain with the team. That's a whole other thing. So, I mean, it's in the end, it's just one of these situations where – the Saints will have to just be mindful of it because some of these guys are just going to move on, man. So that's why it's always important to get the very mu- most must out of the uh, or the most out of some of these people while you got them because your window of opportunity is vastly shrinking, you know. So anyway, let's move to this, fam. Ranking the Saints uh, five most disappointing players in 2023. This is sourced from the Saints wire, man, as they drop in the scoop here. And 2023 was a weird one for the Saints. It seemed as if the team was primed for a postseason burst, surging in the back half of the year and winning four of the last five. That, however, wasn't the case. The Saints ended uh, in the regular season, uh, with uh, which in the most disappointing fashion, they're stuck at home watching the playoffs instead of competing in the postseason. Wasn't simply missing the playoffs that made this season a disappointment. The journey along the way was equally as disappointing and frustration as and it's important to acknowledge which position groups and players did not meet expectations, which performances were most disappointing in 2023. Here are a couple of picks right here of disappointment as in the eyes of, of uh, John Sigler. Number five, Pete Werner, working backwards from five to one. Pete Werner, he listed as a disappointment. This was a down year for Pete v- Visually, not statistically, he was a healthy starter for a full season, which is a, which is a plus because that's one of the things we wanted to make sure it's like Pete Warner had the reputation as an injury prone player who couldn't be counted upon. He, he kind of made that go away from right now playing a full season. So that's a win. His stats naturally went up, but so did his mistakes. His lack of athleticism was apparent in open field opportunities more previous and more than previous season. He's got to do a better job of plays and coverage. Now we know Pete Werner is not the most athletic guy, right? He's not the most athletic guy, but he's very cerebral. He's a smart player. He can see things. He's not easily fooled. But, you know, most of the times he do put himself in position to make plays, stick his helmet in there to make plays. But but see people that know that's game planning, a guy like Pete Werner know how to get athletic tight ends against him if they try to match those guys with him and, and have success with that. So we just that in that regard, I think that it, that there's some truth there. Isaiah Foskey, the snowman, was this was most disappointing for a lot of the black and gold family members. He had a very uneasy transition into this into the Saints. Foskey, the most disappointing player from the Saints most recent draft class. He was an early second round pick, but yet the defensive end was primarily a special teams player despite New Orleans struggling to rush the passer. Foskey still didn't play meaningful snaps. It's far from over for him, but this year was very disappointing for the rookie. An injury derailed this season, but even when he was healthy, he wasn't seeing meaningful action in the game. Yeah, Isaiah Foskey, the snowman, was very disappointing for what we anticipated a lot more from him in that rookie year. And we just, it just didn't come It's few flashes here or there, but too far and few in between. So I, you know, this is a good one to put up here on the list. Number three, Cam Jordan. Jordan had two sacks in 17 games 
it's the first time he had fewer than seven and a half sacks his rookie season. When you have a year like that, uh, like he had in your mid-30s, it's easy to say Father Time starting to catch up with Cam Jordan. If you ask him, though, he will say it was multiple ankle sprains he had to manage through the year. Regardless of the reason, this was a down year for Cam. So, indeed, if people were on Cam last year before he had, you know, when he had the year when he kind of burst forth on later on in the year and piled up a bunch of sacks. This year was the most disappointing year that I've seen with Cam. And you're right. Cam did have ankle issues. He was out there trying to do his thing. It, that ankle didn't do him no service out there. I, I, I watched the film on Cam trying to pursue people up and down the line of scrimmage. He just didn't have that athleticism. He couldn't get there. So, it, yeah, it was it was very, um, yeah, that was very tough. Tough year for Cam. And when that happens, a lot of people going to say for the time he's getting old, stuff like that. So, yeah, indeed. So at some point, do you, you know, when Cam gets healthy, do you consider, because he's still under contract, do the Saints consider doing something different with Cam? Like some, like some of our other players, sometimes they tend to shift those guys inside. You see what I'm saying? And have them to do something inside rather than outside, put more athletic guys on the outside. Do we then shift Cam more inside, let him play more inside? Uh, you know, because like I said, Cam is a saint for life, and he's going to play out the rest of his contract. But definitely a disappointing year for Cam uh, Jordan. All right, number two on the list of the top five most disappointed players, Saint, uh, Saints Trevor Penning. This this should really be number one, <laughs> to be honest with you. So I can't wait to see who number one actually is. Penning was benched after five games. Though he had played a lot due to an injury the following week. After that, he played a total of 13 snaps on offense over the last 11 games. And there were more injuries, but never more pinning. The Saints say they still believe in him, but actions speak louder than words. Indeed, the Saints could draft another first-round left tackle just two years after picking Trevor Penning. And just to stick right here for a second, the Penning, the way they had handled Trevor Penning like I was saying about playing him at the left tackle position, I thought that was really problematic. Um, it was just, it wasn't good how they had handled him. And remember, we I played it here on the stream. I played it here and I tried to talk to the family members and I talked to them about how uh, the Saints used Trevor Penning. And so far as they put him at the left tackle position, he wasn't ready for that. I knew it. I kept telling them, don't do that. Don't put him at the left tackle position. Put him at the right tackle position. Do something different. But don't put him at the left tackle position because that is prob- that is the most difficult position outside of center for you guys to play because you will more than likely face the best offense or the best defensive pass rusher from that spot. So every game, you're going to get their best person over there on that blind side, attacking the blind side of your quarterback. That means Bosa's. The Bosa's is coming at you. That means all of the top guys, all of them, the the Miles Garrett and the rest of them, all those guys are going to be sitting over and playing where Penning is. They're going to move them over there to get after Penning. And Penning talked about having confidence issues during the season. You know, he struggled mightily, and the Saints just didn't move him down to the second layer and say, okay, we'll bring you off the off the second. Now, they literally shoved him all the way down to the bottom of the active roster as far as the offensive linemen are concerned. And it was, and how do you bounce back from that? If you're Trevor Penning, who's all, all already as a first round draft pick dealing with confidence issues. So 
with Ryan Ramchek potentially not being able to play for the rest of his career with this serious knee issue, does Penning re-emerge as a right tackle candidate? Do they do that? Because really, truthfully speaking, and I got a mock draft that I'm going to be coming out, family coming up uh, uh, next week. I got one I got coming out on Monday for you guys. We're getting getting into the mock season. I got one for you. That the Saints could definitely end up taking a left tackle. There are a couple of those that'll be sh- that'll be there, maybe uh, available for when the Saints pick. If we're lucky, one of them, the the top one or two, might slide to you. I doubt. I doubt it though. We might get one or two of them, but we'll see how it all pans out. But Trevor Pending, man, is definitely you can't not consider him a part of the future of the line when Ram checks. Uh, health is, is an issue, and then the left, then the left guard, the left tackle, left guard issue needs to be addressed. Uh, Nick Seldeveri is a guy that was drafted out of Old Dominion to be the left guard. He he was hurt all year. I still would see about providing some some um, uh, some depth there to kind of push him. And the left tackle position is definitely a position they could definitely draft for us. But yes, Trevor Penning was this was a very dis dis disappointing. It's to me to me. He was the most disappointing player uh, in terms of being a first round draft pick that did not contribute. But this is the number one guy. <laughs> this is the most that I ain't mad at this pick right now. I really ain't. This is who John Sigler says is the most disappointing player on that team. But this year, let's see what he says, man. That this that makes me laugh. Not in, not in a good way, because. You know, I understand people have their questions about Carr. You know, he really didn't prove too much to me this past season. Just did some stat packing toward the back of the season, but still a lot to prove in this in this in the next year coming. When Carr signed, when the Saints signed Carr, there were expectations the Saints should easily be a playoff team. This is true. Unfortunately, the Saints didn't it didn't live up to expectations in the beginning of Carr's time when New Orleans was littered with frustrating moments. On and off the field, the offense struggled to move the ball and spurted when they did. Carr improved late in the season, so hopefully the trans they transition transitions into year two. Now this is a point because he took way too long to get going. Like you took over, it took two plus months of football before he even started to look different, and like he started getting better toward the back end of the season, like the last month of games, which is way too long for him. He took way too long to get going. And the frustrations and the fussing was because he don't take accountability. He don't want to take accountability. He's sitting up there. I remember the time where I lost a lot of respect for the guy because he was sitting up there lying. He sitting up there lying to people, telling them, hey, we got the answers in the building. Remember that? Put one in the chat if you remember telling the reporters, Mike Triplett and, and, and Jeff Duncan and others, that we have the answers and they're in the building. And they asked him, well, what's the answers? And what did he say? He said, well, I can't tell you because we got we got the answers in the building. What happened after that? They continued to lose. <laughs> so he was, it's just a bunch, it's a flim flam. Don't come here with that, man. Don't come here with the lies and the BS and the garbage, dude. If you don't freaking know, you don't freaking know. Don't sit up here and lie to people about knowing something. And then you put the film on and you don't know nothing. I mean, you're looking at, when, and people talk about it all the time. It's like some of these guys, man, you want them. It's easy to decipher the games of, of football players. Anybody could really go and do it. Anybody could be a scout. You just got to know what you're looking for. You just got to know what you're looking at. You just have to be a good ju- a judge of skill and talent. 
And it's not a very hard profession to do. You just got to take it serious. Do your research. Do, you know, study behind what you need to study and just be a clear evaluator. And you don't have to do it professionally. A lot of guys do it non-professionally and do really well at it. So when you look at what Carr was, and there's plenty of film that you can break down Derek Carr. He is a very flawed guy fundamentally. He could, things could happen a lot better for him if he just didn't stare down half the field as much as he does. And that's just outright laziness and bad technique that you stare down, you go center and then stare left or go center and then stare right and don't cycle through your progressions. I was saying that the whole season, boy, this damn guy don't cycle through his progressions enough. He stares down half the field and then checks it down. Why do you think you're checking it down so much? You're not looking at the full field. And then it's it's on tape, it's on film, where you can see this stuff happening, and it's happening week after week. People are calling it out, and he pretending like he don't have a problem. See, I don't have time for that, bro. I don't have time for you with the with the with the delusion, with the lies, with the BS, with the crap, with the garbage. You we got a time window here. It's a certain amount of pressure that you have to have. You step here, you gotta win now because you got an older team. You got a two to three year window to make something happen before you start and have to kind of do a rebuild situation. They're basically holding on to some pieces of people are getting older. Because time, time, that time is ticking on that window, and you got to activate, and you got to win right now. We don't have time to you to build up the wins when these guys are already here. When Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, and at the time Michael Thomas, Elvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, and all these other guys, there, Jawan Johnson, uh, Taysom Hill, these guys are here right now. This is not a young team like a Green Bay or a Houston Texan club. Credit to those guys having the success that they're having. This is an older team, one of the oldest teams in the NFL, and they have to understand that when we put this guy here, you got to win right now. That's what the $150 million is for. Now, of course, we got a dumb quarterback, a dumbass coach, and a and a brainless general manager slash VP dude up there that's trying to protect you and not telling you you're supposed to win right now. But let me tell you something, Mr. Carr. You got to win right now. Your team is old. You got to win right now. You have to win right now. That's what the pressure is. Despite what Dennis Allen is saying, despite what Mickey Loomis is saying, who's not, who don't even know what flipping planet he on. He don't even talk to the players. They broke that down. He don't have conversation with players during the season. So I can understand why Jameis Winston two years ago had issues and went to the press when he couldn't take it to this guy. This guy is supposed to have his goddamn door open. You see what I'm getting at? And I was telling people this. This this last season, and then they finally see, see y'all see who the problem is. Y'all see what I've been talking about when he hit that end of the season press conference. Y'all seen who was the big problem of the team, who's standing in the way of progress with stupidness and arrogance and dumb shit is that guy. But we telling you on tape that everything that we said could be backed up in the receipts. It's receipt season. I don't have time to play games with the Saints and all this foolishness about who whose fault it is. Well, it's my fault because I, you know, I, I, I was too comfortable. It's good that you come up with that analogy or, the, or that thought process when the season is long gone is you got too comfortable. If you listen more, I was saying it during at the time we were saying it at the time, bro, y'all got to activate and do something. Y'all way too comfortable. So, un, so being stupid and stubborn and non-progressive, what you got to do, fam, y'all know what y'all got to do. Y'all know what y'all got to do. All right, so anyway, shout out to Marlon Moss. This question, Q, do you think Loomis 
will fire DA next year. Yeah, he got to get him out of here, bro. If he fi- if he fails next year, ain't no way you can protect Dennis Allen for three straight years of failure. That's it's just that that he's he's taking the pressure because he believes in his process. See, this is all, and I'm telling you, this is all arrogance. Shout out, shout out to me and DC was having this communication the other day. He was talking to me. He listened to the show, then he called me, say, Hey man, you know, such and such. And we were talking. I'm like, bro, listen. And he made mention of it. He was talking about it. He made a good point. He's like, you know what, Q? The whole damn thing with, with Mick and Loomis is that he thinks he found Sean Payton and that Sean Payton have all the success. And he's thinking that he can do that. He's found Dennis Allen. And he's thinking that Dennis Allen can do what Sean Payton do. That's how crazy this dude is. It's how crazy it is. Well, I, well, I pick my, I pick this guy and I don't pick wrong. I, I, I'm the great Mickey Loomis. I don't pick anything wrong. I, I mean, listen, Dennis Allen, Bill Belichick, Dennis Allen, Tom, uh, uh, Tom Landry, Dennis Allen, Bill Walsh. He actually said Walsh in there, man. Uh, Dennis Allen. Who else he said? Uh, Sean Payton. Now, granted, every last one of these people he talked about won Super Bowls. Granted, Every last one of these people he was talking about are fantastic coaches in their own right. This guy here that he's trying to compare uh, to Sean Payton, this guy is not a young coach like a, a, a Zach Taylor or, or LaFleur or some of these other guys. This guy is an old guy, an old coach that been around for years. And he's been he's a good defensive coordinator, but he lacks the ability to to coordinate responsibly, consistently with a with a very good disciplined approach to keep players uh, attention to detail, focused and driven. He doesn't he doesn't have that consistently. He doesn't have leadership ability. He doesn't have a great communication uh, style. He's not a great motivator of talent. He comes off as aloof. He comes off as soft. He comes off as stupid. He comes off as backstabby because he'll backstab your ass. Oh, no, he'll die. Well, yeah, he'll do it. That's why I like him so much. Me and Dennis Allen are cut from the same cloth. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I commended him. I say, you know what, Dennis? The reason why I'm hollering, hiring you because you got it, baby. You got a great. You got. You'll whip that knife out and you're backstab with some bitch in a minute. I respect that. That's why you're my head coach. I love it. I say he leads the league in backstabbing. I think he's terrific. You know, it's it's, it's just it's crazy, man. But in the end, he really believes his stupid thought process will bring the Saints championships behind Dennis Allen which is totally ridiculous. All he is is a troll, a time-wasting troll. And just like we were right the year before, we were right this year, and we'll be right next year. One plus one plus one <laughs> is all math, right? Right? It's all, it's all math. But, it, yeah, he got to, Maul. Thank you for the question. He says uh, that would make Mickey look stupid after you compare D.A. to all. Yeah, Mickey Loomis, we don't have to wait for that to happen for Mickey Loomis to be considered a crazy, to be crazy, though. We don't want, and nobody in their right mind would do that, bro. Dude, he was sitting up there chewing and smacking gum. He took five or six drinks of water or whatever he had in that cup on top of the gun. And anybody know when you're chewing gum and you drink a water, it washes the flavor of the gum out of, you know, the, the flavor of the gum out. And then you just chewing, basically, just chewing on some tasteless shit. He didn't put it in the cup and then start biting some more. He just kept chewing it like it was the, the greatest thing ever. And he did it for an hour. He did that. The dude is not right, man. We know he ain't right. 
face his face was flushed his eyes were glossy he was gesturing and his mannerisms was off he was bringing up stupid ass stats don't have nothing to do with anything i call it stat prattling what he does he's he been doing that all season long stat prattling bringing up stats that make absolutely no sense they don't buy any thing i was ready for that one. Oh, you was ready for that making that question about you know, oh yeah i wrote it down i was ready and he actually did research on it to give you that and start running off records like he was dropping some science <laughs> he ain't here man he ain't here but this is his last thing and even though next year there will be no real excitement around the saints organization with dennis allen in terms of that because people don't want dennis allen here because overall the majority of the people recognize dennis allen as not a good head coach and how the season ended not with the four of the five wins but how the team went against them and they downplay it like it's not a big thing when it really is that it just goes to show you that this the, the that guy needs to be replaced as the general manager but see they they not they're not progressive enough because they operate they run the team like an old mafia family as opposed to like an actual business where you're supposed to bring in fresh minded talent to take over some of those positions to keep the team fresh and progressive they're keeping these old people here. No disrespect to my older people out there, but I'm saying 20 something odd years in a, in a new game like the NFL, Mickey Loomis is the older, the oldest tender general manager in the game. And he gets repeatedly flushed and fleeced by younger people. Why? Because he's not a real general manager. He's a general manager in title. He's more VP than GM. He don't need two titles. And that's what I'm saying. If you like him, keep him as a VP, believe that let somebody else Due to general manager position, his time is up and it shows. The draft situation shows his bad calls on who Dennis Allen is, him sticking with Dennis Allen in the competitive NFL when Bill Belichick and all these other guys are trying to get in the NFC South. Pete, Car- uh, Pete Carroll's out there. You got Jim Harbaugh wants to make the leap back. And you saying, well, I forget all those guys. I got my guy. I got him. I He'll backstab the hell out of you. That's why I like him. It's just, it's just stupid, man. It's dumb. Tom Landry, the dude said Tom Landry, he said, uh, Bill Walsh, Bill Walsh, the inventor of the West Coast offense. He compared Dennis Allen to that guy, man. Are we serious here? Mickey Loomis is out of his mind, bro. That was a black eye. That whole press conference was a joke. It was a joke. It was terrible. It was laughable. It was awful. And it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't inspire any confidence in that organization. None whatsoever. I was embarrassed by it. Matter of fact, I really was. So anyway, shout out to the fam. Let's keep it going, man. And it, <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> there you go. All right, so anyway, uh, let's keep it pushing, man. But yeah, I agree. I like to call uh, John Siglaz on Derek Carr saying, yeah, he took way too long to get going. And a handful of losses here, and like I said, a good head coach knows, how, you know, and and like I said, so much you could talk about with Jen, with Dennis Allen, but it's really the guy on top of the team who let Dennis Allen fail. Dennis Allen don't know what he's doing, fam. He doesn't know what he's doing. So if you don't, if you have a guy that didn't have a history of being a successful head coach and you hire him, you just can't hire him and leave him alone. He, he don't know what he's doing, especially with the pressure on him to win right now. That's the whole thing that they need to win right now. That's the whole point of it. They need to win right now because of the window and they are failing at that right now. So the confidence is low in the Saints and you blame them for that. All right, so anyway, let's keep it pushing, fam. Let's go. Now, we talked about this early on, the offensive coordinator positions. We mentioned that potentially could be brought in to fill some of these jobs. We talk about the 
situation, the tight ends, uh, not the tight ends, but the wide receiver uh, coach situation is open. The offensive assistant, top assistant position is open right now. So there are a few positions that the running back coach is open. Uh, we The season is still ongoing. You never know that a guy like Ronald Curry, I think Ronald Curry is going to get uh, a call to go somewhere else to possibly be an offensive coordinator or something. So you can end up replacing several different uh, coaches when it's all said and done, because we're still very early on in the process. The playoffs are still going on right now, and we just need to watch out for that. But the thing about John Gruden and the, the stuff to smoke around John Gruden is that that's an actual thing. That's not something that the reporters are pulling out of their backsides. The John Gruden thing is an actual thing. There's verified uh, proof on articles and sources that say that John Gruden is interested in a offensive position with the New Orleans Saints. A lot of people know John Gruden's an alpha dog that he don't if he comes on, it's not going to be something of a lower ilk. Like, but you got you don't have an offensive coordinator. That's another thing that they're looking for. So the greatest job on that side of the ball, offensive coordinator position is open. Is a group and the Saints are doing their due diligence, looking at other people. We talked about some of the people that they're looking at, but the biggest stick pin to this all is John Gruden. Where does he play in this analysis? So before I give you the latest, let me give you a little backdrop about some of the stuff that was talked about with John Gruden. Uh, so we're going to play two reports. I'm going to play the first report. This is a source from the Rich Eisen show. When he brought a report on who was covering the matter with him, just to remind y'all of what's going on with the John Gruden uh, situation. Here we go. Well, the, Gruden, the Gruden story is um, the Gruden story is really, I think uh, the biggest concern among the owners right now, because Gruden has said that he uh, is not going to settle. So it's now in, in the Nevada Supreme court, the lawsuit that John Gruden filed against the NFL and against Roger Goodell, mm-hmm. alleging that they leaked those emails that cost him his job and his career. And Gruden has told people that he will burn the house down. He'll burn the NFL down to get the truth. And my sense since our story, you know, that we did, I uh, did with Seth Wickersham, my colleague at ESPN. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked to people around Gruden, close to Gruden, and he is all in to get the truth. So if the Nevada Supreme Court rules in his favor, there will be discovery. And that discovery means that Gruden's attorneys can subpoena Roger Goodell, every single owner if they want to, mm-hmm. to try to find out if the NFL did, in fact, leak those emails that cost Gruden his job. When does that ruling in the Nevada Expected come in down? October. Expected in just a couple of months. But I know. All right. So uh, let, let me stop right there. Um, this is the interesting thing about this thing. And we talked about it. I remember I mentioned on the prior show, I said 65,000 emails. It wasn't 65,000 emails, family. It was 650,000 emails. <laughs> it was 650,000 emails that were released. And out of the 650,000 emails, only ones that was attached to John Gruden was, um, was put out to the press. And, and this, is, this is what John Gruden know. They know all of it. They got some information. The NFL is running scared from this, man. This could be a major scandal, man. Let's finish up. From talking to people around the league, owners and executives, they're very, very concerned about it because Gruden is very, very upset. He wants the truth. He said no number on a check will satisfy him. And he wants his, he wants his career back. I think he wants to coach again. As you know, you know, he's working with the Saints. Yeah, I know. I know yeah. he's, he's been at the yeah. Saints training camp, but... I imagine doesn't the NFL, I mean, with discovery, 
not everything is going to be great for John Gruden to come out, right? I mean, uh, and, and if he burns the NFL's house down, which owner is going to say, oh, yeah, we'll hire you and put you on the sideline? So that's great. I think I know somebody. <laughs> I think I know somebody that's going to hire you. And burn, see, and this is the thing, too. We know somebody that wants him. And the reason why they want John Gruden is because Derek Carr wants him. This is all in the, this is all to appease Derek Carr, bro. This is just what this is like, well, Q, why would they go after John Gruden? That don't even make any sense. He's suing the NFL right now. Why? Because Derek Carr wants him. It's simple. Simple as that. All this is that you think Dennis Allen, a weaselly snake like Dennis Allen, would want John Gruden, an alpha dog on his team. You have to look over his shoulder. This guy has a Super Bowl ring. And he's an alpha. He'll run him off eventually. <laughs> Sooner or later, they get into it, but it won't be nothing bad. I mean, he'll just act just like he did with, when Arthur Smith walked up to him, cussing at him. He'll grab both his, his, his the sides of his stomach, and he'll say, well, calm down, guy. We on the same team. You know, it's, <laughs> there is no confrontation there. There's none of that. But, yes, indeed, this is a this is definitely, a, in my eyes, man, this is all about Derek Carr, to appease Derek Carr, the $150 million quarterback who they've tied their careers to. If Carr fails, they get fired. They know that. They understand that. So they're going to do whatever it can, to, whatever it can, to make sure that that doesn't happen. Here we go. Right. That's a great question. So the other, the other issue too, Rich, is the six hundred fifty thousand emails that were amassed. Those Bruce Allen emails as yes. part of the Wilkinson investigation, and the worry is the discovery will lead to those emails as well coming out. Yeah. And we've heard from people around the league. There's all sorts of other dirty laundry hidden in those emails about all sorts of people around the NFL. So the NFL is in a defensive crouch, very, very concerned about the lawsuit, and it's uh, the balls in the court, the Nevada Supreme Courts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.